right. I tell you, when we sing that song, it's also nothing better than being on the bay, right? In summertime here, welcome to Birch Bay. Great to be here. We try to bring as much of the bay in here as possible. Cool breeze, low tide. You can you, The sights and smells and everything are beautiful here as we go. But welcome here today. What a beautiful day to be together. Uh, my name is Dan. I serve as the pastor here. If, if, so if you're new, we're learning names today. If you're online, we're glad you're joining us there, wherever you are or whenever you're watching it. Um, I always love having Andy Tillman come up and lead us in worship. And thank you, Jane, for being a part of it today. And it's always amazing. I, and Andy, we always comment on this because, you know, you just got all these body parts moving at the same time and everything. And I just try to chew gum and walk, you know, and it's just difficult. Or uh, So talent of that. On Sundays you do that, but also if you want to, is it Hangin Speedway? Is that where we can see you as well? So I see you posting some stuff, so uh, motocross. So it's answered, I mean, he's got arms and legs going all over whatever you're doing. So thanks for being here uh, with us today. If you're catching us, if you're new with us or haven't been for a while, we're doing a summer series called Flourish. And the idea and the heart behind this is that as much as we love summer, Love the bay, love kicking back. We can get a little bit in our lazy days. We can get a little bit lazy and lackadaisical. Is that the word? In our, in our faith. We can kind of lay back a little bit and kind of take our foot off the pedal, which is a good thing to do. And we'll talk about the good thing to do that. But we can kind of drift a little bit. And in fact, maybe at the end of our summer, our faith can kind of flounder rather than flourish. And so we're just trying to take some intentional efforts to be able to say, what can we do? Together, what we can do in our own life throughout the week to grow and flourish in our faith. And we started at the beginning of the series talking about John chapter 15, where Jesus talks about if you want to flourish in your faith is to stay connected with me. Don't, in the word abide or to, to, uh, uh, to remain with him, to stay connected as he's the vine, we're the branches. And if we don't, we really can't experience a lot of flourishing in our life and growth in our life to do that. And that sounds super basic, it's not just a, a, an idea to do it, but there's, there's some activities, some, some intentionality to do that. So we've been sharing some various spiritual practices as we do along. But the danger of sharing those things, or at least the concern, is that we can get caught up in just doing religious activities. And that's not the point of it. The point of it is that we find connection with Jesus in, in, a, in a close way. And and so what I've found, and this might be you as well, is like I'm really good at human doing. I, if you give me some things to do, I'll do it. You say I should do that, I should do it. Here's, a, here's some vitamins to take, and I'll take them. You know, I'm, I'm just one of those people like this is a good thing to do. And there's nothing wrong in the doing, but we're not just human doings. You probably heard before, we're human beings. There's a being part of doing. And if we're all caught up in the doing and we're missing the being, then we're missing the whole point of where Jesus says, remain with me, stay connected with me. So this is a tension that we have a little bit. And so with that is, here, I, I, this morning's kind of kind of almost opposite, but yet it's intentional, is in a spiritual activity that we're offering to you this week as a tool is this, is actually to do nothing. <laughs> so all these activities we're going to do, here's one actually to do nothing. It's learning to rest. It's learning to rest. Some of you, how many had a good night's sleep? Raise your hand if you got a good night's sleep, okay? How many of you say it wasn't the best sleep last night? Okay, I'm with you. I kind of had that too. We're tossing and turning and different things happening. I don't know. Sometimes the mind working or you got an aches and pains and you just different things happening. I found too, if I get a good night's sleep, I can also wake up kind of tired. Well, kind of weary. 
You can be weary and still get a lot of physical sleep because the body's resting, but the soul isn't. And we were designed to get rest. We were created. In fact, the very start of creation, we were created out of rest. In Genesis chapter 1 here, this is what interesting it says, and you've heard this probably a lot if you've studied the Bible a lot, but notice this, it says by the seventh day, because God created in seventh day, and the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. He'd been working all week. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now we read that and we kind of go, man, God must have been tired. I mean, spinning the universe and, I mean, that's a lot. I bet his voice was hoarse because the Bible says that he spoke the universe. And, no, God wasn't tired. He wasn't worn out. He's just modeling to us that what he does, and he does it from, he creates from, he lives from a place of rest. And he offers this rest to us. And it's a beautiful thing because when you read about Adam and Eve in the garden and they had duties to do, they had jobs to do, naming animals, caring, taking, subdue the earth, work that was there. Pre-fall, it was done out of great joy and fulfillment and there wasn't any toiling. There wasn't any sweating, burden, and, and the what work is. And sometimes people look at work as such a negative thing. It was very much a positive thing. And yet God, even before all that he called man to do, he calls him to rest. And this perfect harmony. It's, it's, it's where there's this, you know, Eden was this balance. It's uh, what we say in nature, the homeostasis. It was this, this place that, that everything, equilibrium that was there. And, and we, we hear this a lot. It's a buzzword. Chris and I were talking last night, or we were watching something, and they talked about mindfulness. Mindfulness is such a buzzword nowadays. And there's nothing wrong with the word. Uh, it depends on what you do with your mind in the mindfulness, but this place of this place of awareness and rest that we can find, and really it comes down to our our soul, where we are to worship as we worship today in song. It's as Amy says, worship is a lifestyle that we live, and this call to worship. What does the Bible say? And even Jesus says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength." That's a holistic place of worship where we can find rest and yet let's just face it there's sometimes we have off days <laughs> you've heard the phrase you know you know you woke up on the wrong side of the bed how many have remember if you ever had your bed against the wall and you try to <laughs> you know it's like yeah it's kind of yeah but we, we we find ourselves off some days and we're just like we're just out of alignment and and yet and when we do that we, we try to self-correct, and I almost think sometimes we kind of take extremes with our, our life, because what we'll do is we're like, oh, I got I to gotta accomplish stuff. Like, I got to get back on something. So what we do is we, it's kind of all or nothing. We say, you know, man, I'm, I'm burning candles from bo both ends, which I'm not sure what that means, but people say that. Pedal to the metal, right? We use this language. It's like, we got to accomplish. We got to do what we need to do. And and, and if you're in that mode, that's a place of unhealthiness and it's a place of restfulness, but that is actually not all your fault. It's, it's really the, the results of the fall. When, when Adam and Eve sinned and they ate of the forbidden fruit, it, it really brought this uneasiness and this homeostasis, this equilibrium, all got thrown off. And, and what ended up happening was work became a chore, it became a, a toil, it became this this 
difficult. Well, it became a curse, in fact. And we read that happened in Genesis 3 with the fall. And then in Genesis 4, what's interesting is the, the, the first kids out of Adam and Eve were a couple brothers, and they didn't get along too well. Cain was jealous of Abel because of what maybe God's blessing him more than he, than he has. And so he ends up, in his jealousy, kills his brother. Cain kills his brother Abel. And God confronts him. And he says to him this. He says, the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, now you're under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened up its mouth and to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Now, here he is. You killed your brother. Here is the punishment. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crop for you. And you, check this out, will be a restless wanderer on the earth. It's a reminder of us of what sin does. Sin causes us to wander. Sin causes us to be in a constant state of dissatisfaction, never arriving, never getting to. We sang the song, you know, there's nothing ever than, than you, and yet we go the opposite and we find everything else in the world to try to substitute God in our lives. And we become constantly dissatisfied. And that brings a state of, of restlessness. And so we're wandering and trying to find the right fit, the right connection, the right fix of our life. And, and we're just going to be exhausted when we do that. We're lacking peace and fulfillment in our life. And so if you find yourself in a place of weariness, because it's probably connected to some restlessness. Now, what is some signs of maybe kind of a, of a restless wander? I think what we find if it's you is that, there's not a lot of margin in your life is one of the signs of this. You know, we, again, we get so good at trying to be human doers. We're not really good at human beers. We're not good at being human beings. And so when you ask somebody if they're, this is a, a test, I guess, but we say this, we could catch ourselves saying it a lot, but people ask, how are you doing? What's the response with people when you run into them during the week in the groceries? What do usually people say? Busy. How are you doing? I didn't ask what you were doing or the activity you're doing. I asked you, how are you doing? And your answer is busy. What is it saying? Your identity is in your doing. You're, you're saying to that person, and you might be legitimate busy. It's crazy life, and we're doing all this. But sometimes, let's admit, we say, because if we say we're not busy, they, people might think you're sloughing in life. People might think you're coasting a little bit. People might think you're not stepping up and doing your part in society and providing whatever you need to do. None of us really say, how are you doing? I'm doing, you know, and sharing emotions because busy is not an emotion. But we make it a badge of honor and identity with us. You, you've heard the old phrase, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. That's so true. And so with margin is, just like you have in a notebook paper or in a book, you've got margin around, there's white space. Are we creating space in our life for not just always doing? We were talking about, you know, regathering all that we've gone through. I remember the dark days of COVID with Zoom meetings one after another. And I remember meeting like 9 to 10 and 10 to 12 and 12, you know. And like, and then what happens is you, if you've done this before in meetings, you drink coffee. And you realize there has to be some 30-second or minute potty break somewhere in between these calls, right? There has to be some margin. Do I budget going to the bathroom? I mean, that's, if you're getting down to the minute, I mean, there's, there's probably some space that you need, right? But we've done this before. It's not just your time, it's your energy. I found this is that I can, 
I can have a one, say I have one meeting with someone in, during the day, and this might be in your business or relationships, that one hour meeting exhausts me for the rest of the day. And if you have three or four more meetings, sometimes you actually look, you're like, I'm going to be with this person. I need some break. I need some respite after this meeting. There's nothing wrong with planning that, okay? There's nothing wrong with taking it, but we're not great at doing that. And so what happens is, then what we do is when we have the margin, sometimes we end up trying to just amuse ourselves and escape. We've got all this stuff going on, and like, I just need a break, and so I'm just going to do this and start, and we, and, or doing this. And, and what you find is, have you found that there's, there's so much on that there's nothing on? There's nothing satisfying my soul, and I keep scrolling, and I keep looking, and I keep clicking. It never meets that, that need. And yet, in some ways, you're procrastinating, really spending time with the one that wants to be with you. You know, 150 years ago, uh, you, you and I, we, if we were living back then, we, we got up with the sun, and we went to bed when the sun went down. And that was the schedule. Now, that's hard to do, isn't it? Screens are on, things are buzzing, all these things going on, all this, you know, n- noise and, 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 and sound and or now, noise and light pollution that we experience. We have to figure out, how do we find margin of that? Now, if we don't, we find amusement doesn't fix, fix our restless soul. What we do is we end up kind of, well, we, get, we can get impulsive because in all that we're consuming and doing, we can start buying and eating and drinking, spending, and we, we, we short-term cost the long-term, or short-term gain to long-term cost affects us, and our soul's never satisfied. And when our soul's never satisfied, it can't meet that, what ends up is, is, is we get a little agitated, don't we? We get a little short-fused. And if that might be you, and I, I would admit to me lately, and just maybe physically tired, I don't know what it is, it's like I'm getting really old now, because 10 o'clock, like my body starts shutting down, the, or at least the brain does. But I have a few people in my family that, that they're still revving up at 10 o'clock, and they're still talking. I have a young adult daughter, just that's her moment. Like, now we're going to talk, now, and we're going to go deep, and we're going to go long, and we're going to go, and I'm like, I'm tired. And then I get agitated, and my wife's like, I think you should just go to bed, you know, because you're just like grumpy, right? We've been there. We do that, right? And we have to think. And it's a reminder to us in the aggravation. We've got to be careful. Like, you know, you, you, know you, you, you have to, like, you know, you do things. You, if, if this is a sign. Like, if you're, you're agitated and, you know, you, you walk in and, like, why are all the lights on? How come all the lights are always on, right? And you turn to your parents, right? Why is the heat up? It's summertime, you know? Who's paying these bills? I am, you know, and all that. And we get, like, that's not, like, that's not a moral dilemma. It's just, like, that's not good, you know? So we do this a lot. We hit sin and we shouldn't have hit sin. We react to things so quickly. And this restlessness, and I think a lot of times we get into a hurry mode. And we get hurried, and the symptoms of hurry, I mean, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, you, if you're standing in a microwave and just waiting for this food to cook, there's a problem, you know? It's a microwave, okay? It should, 30 seconds, a minute, minute and a half, maybe, Really? You know, we do this. Or you, have you done this in line where you're, you're in line and, and, you know, there's a line over here and there's a line here and you're like, okay, we're about equal. You know, it's five there, five here. Okay, I'm, I'm matched with that dude. And then we're going along. Uh-oh, that line's going faster. This woman's paying in pesos. You know, or you're just like, what is what I need? You know, they're like, I've got a price check. You're just like, ah. Oh. And you come out like, I wasn't rushing to go anywhere. For some reason, I just wanted to get out of the store quicker. That's a sign of hurry. 
How about this one? Do you ever talk to somebody and they nod real fast like this? You know what they're doing is speed up your story. Keep going. If I do that with you, just put your hand on his shoulder. Dan, it's going to be okay. Just listen. We do this. But in all seriousness, I've never done well when I've hurried. I've, I've not, when I've rushed things, purchases, bad purchases, I've been in accidents. I've said the wrong thing. I've reacted the wrong way. I've said things that, that were inappropriate in the setting. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, and it can be dangerous and deadly. And all, and all joking aside, I mean, you think of the parents that leave their children in a hot car and go to work. And you're just the horror, how horrible, how horrible that is. And yet you process that a little bit and going, I could see someone doing that because they get in automatic mode. They're tired, they're fatigued. They thought they dropped their kid off at daycare, and they, that's his part. And they, you know, and it's like how horrible it is, and it happens all the time. It's hurry hurts people, and puts us in our worst. I, but but I love what John Orgward sums it up all this with. He says this: hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry can destroy our souls. Hurry can keep us from living well. And so with hurry comes worry. And we get anxious. And it's interesting, not a doctor, but, but knowing this is that there, there's a lot of organs that process things in our body. There's not a lot. Our bodies have a tough time processing anxiety. So it comes out in back pain and stomach ulcers and different things, what stress does to us. Our, 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 there's a book out there, your, your Body Keeps Score. It does, doesn't it? Your body, physical body react to anxiety in our lives, and it all ties with restlessness. You know, Jesus addressed this. He asked this rhetorical question about all worry and everything that we go through in life. He says this, who are you to be worrying can add a single hour to your life? Kind of want to hear that at 3 a.m., right? Since you cannot do this very thing, why do you worry about the rest? Whatever it is, especially in the middle of the night, it's probably nothing you can even do. And yet we worry about that all the time. There's a danger of this level of worry that can lead us down depression and really despair in our life. We were not created to be self-sufficient. We were created to be soul-sufficient. And it's connected to the one that's outside of us that's going to give any help. Where do you find rest? God alone. Psalms 62 says this, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. Can we, can we read this out loud? If you're online, you just read it on your screen as we do that. Can you say this with me? My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. Period. <laughs> That's it. What, 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 nope. Him. Him alone is where we find satisfaction for our soul. It's where we find true rest. Sum it up, a thought for today, today's truth. You are at your best when your soul finds rest. You are at your best. You, get, you, you present your best to people when you find rest. Your best comes forward in, in meetings and relationships, and what you do is when you have come to a place of being and resting. And God promises it to us, not only in creation, but all the way to the cross. What Jesus came as the Prince of Peace to this earth to bring this soul rest 
for salvation is only in him and alone. And what he did on the cross, he died for our sin, but he died for our souls to find that rest. And he invites us in to this rest. He did everything for us that we can get to this place and this invitation, well, to come to him. Matthew chapter 11. What does he say? Here's, here's the invitation. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you what? Will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That is the invitation for us. It's not an egg yoke. Oxen connecting together. The younger would connect with the, would, would, would be matched with the older one as they would plow a field. It was this teaching of this other ox. The older ox would teach, this is the way to go. This is how you plow through the field. Jesus is saying, I invite you in. I'm the stronger ox. Harness yourself with me. I'm going to walk. I'm going to help you plow through life. You do not have to do this on your own, this invitation to us. And I found this is that you're going to be harnessed to something. You're going to be yoked to something. And if you're not yoked to Jesus, you'll be yoked to your job. You'll be yoked to a relationship. You'll be yoked to a worry. You'll be yoked to a problem or situation. There's a yoking that happens, and you can't be yoked. There, there, you cannot serve two yokes. <laughs> you, cannot, you cannot have both Jesus and the yoke. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Come yoke yourself with me. Come with me to do that. And what's he invite us to? This is an interesting thing. He says when we actually do this, it's easy. Easy? What? Yeah. He says my yoke is easy. There's only one. I, you can, if you're a Bible scholar, you can tell me if there's not. There's only one place in Bible that says that the word easy it is. And it's Jesus who uses it. Who uses easy. Easy? Yeah, that doesn't, it doesn't seem easy. But this invitation is, it's very simple to us to come to him to find this true rest. I find, I find in our lives that this rest that Jesus offers, it's, it's what we, well, in Hebrew, it's the word shalom, which shalom is peace. And a peace doesn't mean lack of conflict or, you know, war, you know, no war or anything. Shalom is this homeostasis. It's this pure, perfect place of balance that Jesus asked in our life, this, this harnessing with him that will find balance, will find equilibrium, will find a place of rest where our soul can get nourished and it can flourish. What, what's Jesus saying in this yoke? He says, I'm, I, I, I can help you carry a greater portion of your life that you need, that, that you need to carry. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to carry it all. Uh, I'm, well, I, guess I, I would say this. I, he's not here to carry it all. You are responsible for, for your part, right? So we're still yoked. We're still carrying it. But I'm here to help you with the heavy lifting. And he, he, when he says, he says, I learned from me to do that. He invites to show us. Because we're like, how do I do this? He says it's easy. Well, the, that, it, it's this invitation to be harnessed with him. And to learn his yoke. You know, the, there's a double meaning with the yoke. It's not just a uh, affirming thing. It, it's also 
um, a, a yoke of teaching. So Jesus is a rabbi, and rabbis would have apprentices, and they would come under the yoke, under the, the yoke of the teaching. And it's not only, it's almost like their way of translate, or the, the way of, way of tr- interpreting scripture, but also their way of life. Come to me, come my way. So where do we find Jesus' ways? All through the Gospels. Now, we don't have all this time to talk about it. You can read them for yourself. But you're wondering, how do I learn Jesus' way? He gave it to us already. He already modeled it to us. We have the Gospel. His words and His ways are there for us. But so what do we, how do we get going on this? Well, I want to just give you some thoughts of finding soul rest that Jesus shows us. First, to remember this, that our significance is found outside of our performance. I think when we understand, when we yoke ourselves with Jesus, our significance is outside of our performance. You think if anybody had the pressure to perform, would have been Jesus. Do one miracle, people are going to expect you to do another one. You know how you did that for my neighbor down the street or my brother? Or, you know, Jesus, could you do that for me too? Because I really could use it. I have somebody else. They'd be probably be in to line up a little bit. If you can heal that person and you can touch, touch this person, you could change a life, Lord, will you change my life? And yet it's so interesting that Jesus' identity uh, came before his performance and his activity to what he did. When he was baptized, the uh, there's a voice that came down from heaven and said this, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. The father blessed the son, Jesus, before he did anything. Before Jesus did his Jesus stuff, the father says he's my son. And it's a reminder, Jesus says this way in 11. He goes on, he says, All things have, com- have been committed to me, to my father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. What Jesus is saying is, it all comes from me. Your identity, your significance, and what I've done on the cross is, is accomplished, but your identity is no longer in the doing. Jesus declares that we're his children. We're chosen. We belong to him. I know this is kind of a crazy morbid thought but if you have no arms and you have no legs you have no voice you still matter to jesus even if you can't contribute anything into this world that does not change anything of your love for him here your identity is in the cross of jesus is found in who you are not what you've done jesus did it all for you just to belong to him our significance is not in our doing it's not in our activity, it's in our belonging to him. We learn soul rest knowing this through solitude and silence are critical before we start our day. Another thing you put in here is solitude and silence are critical before we start another noisy day. If you ever thought your life in demand is nothing compared to Jesus, you know, he not only had crowds of people that wanted his attention, he had 12 guys that followed around wherever he went. They were there. You know, sometimes you, there's parts where they, he's separated from his disciples. And, and, and they're probably, where did he go? Well, he just needed a break from them, right? Probably. And where he took a break was early morning. It, it, it said, Mark writes this. He says, while it was actually still night, way before dawn, he got up and went to a secluded spot and prayed. Simon, and those who were uh, went looking for him, they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. Here he was, you know, doing all that he does, even Jesus. Did he need to? Did he need to get rest? Well, he's God, right? But what is he modeling to them? He's also human. 
and he needed rest, and he needed soul rest to spend time with his father. Can I tell you, the most single, most important activity that you will do every single day before you go do is to be. Every single thing. You wake up with a to-do list. My brain gets going, and as soon as I touch that phone, uh-oh, right? It's to be, to be in his presence, to spend time with him. I don't know what that looks like for you, but you need to find a place and find a space and do it. My recommendation is early and often, early and often, later and not, it won't happen probably. It won't happen to the quality that you want and, and the time and the attention. It might be a living room share. It might be, you know, it might, it might be a place in your house that you, you be quiet with. It might be a coffee shop corner. For me, my hammock, I love my hammock on the deck. And, and you know, find, find the place that you can practice just being and finding rest. Solitude and silence. Julie spoke on that a couple weeks ago. Reminders, finding time to quiet ourselves. Yes. And that's how we get. So Jesus, I'm, I want to learn from you. I want to learn your, your ways. Help me. You offer that to me. Finally, is this is Sabbath is the permission and the freedom to find true rest. Sabbath is a freedom and permission to find true rest. If you find yourself running on a treadmill every day and not getting off, guess what? You're heading nowhere, are you? You're, you're heading down this. And, and we have to remember, in our 24-7 world of news, social media, cities that never sleep, it continues 24-7. We were, not, we were not made for that. We were made, well... We're 24-6. We're not, we're not made to go, go, go every single day of the week. There's this seventh day called Sabbath, and yet it's got a bad rap over the years. Sabbath has turned into this day off or go to church and take a nap all afternoon, and then I'm back in the day, you go back to church, and I just remember a lot of church. You know, it's like nothing wrong with church. I'm a church person, but that's not, that's just one small part of gathering. There's something beautiful about Sabbath. And, and when I was in Israel, they call it Shabbat, which is Hebrew for Sabbath, and they practice Sabbath sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. That's Sabbath. That was the seventh day. And you're wondering, why do Christians don't do that any longer? Well, we'll talk about the need to do that. We, we celebrate on Sunday because it's called the Lord's Day. In fact, it's New Testament scripture. You're wondering, how come we don't have church on Saturday? Some denominations do that, but there's a reason for that in our tradition. Sunday is the Lord's Day. It's the day Jesus rose from the dead, and that's been the tradition. But are we really practicing Sabbath? For the Jewish people, what they did was they prepared. And so Friday during a day, it's a skirmish, getting the food from the market and getting ready and preparing and, and getting ready. Everything needs to be ready to go. And then they would have a Sabbath meal on Friday. They would go to synagogue on Saturday. And you saw this rotation, what they're doing. What's so beautiful about their modeling of it was this. They're practicing what Genesis actually says. Genesis says after God created each day, he said that called the day, it was evening and there was morning. There was evening and there was morning. What is being modeled to us is this, is that you don't wake up for the day and start production. Your first thing at the beginning of your day is to go to bed. Your first thing you do is you, you rest. The first thing you do is not do, is to be. And it's just modeling to us. God's economy is not based on your production or my production. God's economy is based on his good creation. He created us 
for a, from a place of rest. And we've had these extremes with Sabbath and practicing Sabbath where people go, I'm too busy, I don't have time, it's an Old Testament thing, and people make excuses to just live exhausted lives. If that's you, I hope it's working for you, but it probably isn't. But on the extreme, people take, take legalism, and they make it something it's not. It's not to be a duty. It's not to be a bummer. It's something of delight that we have with Jesus in relationship with him. In fact, Jesus speaks of it. He says it's a gift. He says, Sabbath was not made for man, but man for the Sabbath. It, was, it, was, it, was not, it wasn't designed for us to follow. It was designed for us to receive it. It's this place of not have to, but get to. It's this beautiful gift. And what does that look like? Oh, Sabbath is, 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 is rest, but it's rest from things. It's rest from the chores. It's even rest from the world events. Oh, but I, I've got to pay attention to what's on the news. You know what? If you didn't watch your news station for one day a week, I think the world would be better because you would be less complaining and you'd be less worried about what's going on in the world. But like, you know what? One day? You can do that. The world's not going to, well, the world continues to do what the world's doing. Scheming, stressing, uh, worrying, strategizing, stewing. You actually get the permission not to do that, to delight in his creation, to spend time with him. So I want to encourage you this week, this week's practice, set a space on space for a Sabbath rest. Is that an all-day thing? Could be. I hope you can do, do that. Does it have to be sundown Friday or sundown Saturday? No. But find time. Try 24 hours. Try a way to where you are putting, pu putting things aside so you can have a time of rest. And I want to give you some practical ways to do this. Kind of four R's. I mean, I don't know where I came up with them, but they're, they're out there, and they're, they kind of adapt in my life. Four things to help you with doing a Sabbath rest. First is, is to relinquish. Relinquishing is this. It's letting go of what you're doing. It's letting go of your work. Some of you own a business, and it's 24-7 your business. Some way, somehow, you have to unplug from it and put it aside and trust in people that they're going to survive without you. Phones are shut off. Time is, you're relinquishing responsibility. You're giving yourself permission not to worry about something. But I got to do this. I got to It's not the got to do nothing time in your life. In at least one time in your week. What are those concerns that you can lay aside? I'm not saying you neglect and not feed your children or your dog. <laughs> I'm just saying there's things that don't really need your attention because here's the thing. You're not that important. He is. He is more important about concerned about your soul than anyone else. And no one else will be more concerned about it than he will for you. Another thing is this is to take time is to reflect. To take time and, and be sit in a place of goodness and reflect on God's gratefulness. We take time and worship each week to do that, and some of us only have, we only do it for 10 minutes a week or 15 minutes a week. There needs to be time built in, and taking time in that day, that Sabbath time to be grateful. Maybe it's writing some things down. Maybe it's taking some time in God's Word and reflecting on His goodness. Reading through the book of Psalms, and this gives you just some richness. God has blessed me in so many different ways, and just thanking for the relationship you have with Jesus. And then recreate. And our sad, sad in our Western traditional view of church is somehow church became, well, Sabbath and Sundays became boring to people. I, oh, I got to go to church. And then we just take naps. And I remember people maybe had that as a kid. I remember we had a ch uh, child, our, our daughter had a friend across the street, and she was part of a very traditional, I guess it was a different, well, kind of a different religion, but they practiced Sabbath. 
and she would come over and she couldn't come in our house because she would be breaking the Sabbath rule of going and playing, but she played on our porch with our daughter. <laughs> it was her way to go, I can't play, but I can watch you play. You know, it's like, wait a second, what are we modeling? It's legalism. What it, rec I, recreation is so important. If on a Sabbath, go take your kids or grandkids down and build a sandcastle. Be, have a date night. Recreate, okay? Which some of y'all are like, oh, we're done recreating, okay? But I'm just saying, practice, whatever you want to do. <laughs> That's up to you. It's, it's a time of enjoyment, not a, 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 a time of not doing anything. There's activity that we do that celebrate. And then finally, restore. Restore is this idea of just, the Bible says this, he leads me by still waters and restores my soul. It's recharging our life that we can live and function at our best, at our best when our soul is at rest. I'm going to invite Andy to come, and we're going to do something of reflective time here in a moment. Encourage you to practice Sabbath this week, but let's practice it right now. Let's have Sabbath moment right now. Let's have a time of rest and moment that we can sit in and, and trust in God who gives us rest. Our salvation is Him and Him alone. I read this invitation, and I had this question, have you found rest for your soul? And if you haven't, I want to invite you in in this invitation. I'm going to read it in the message. Come, you know, Jesus says, come to me, are you weary and burdened? I'll give you rest. Here, here is it in the message. Listen to this. Are you, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you, are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and pray with me I just sense the Lord is speaking to somebody right now they're having a tough time believing that especially those last words living freely and lightly because right now things are burdened and heavy for you right now and, and, and I, I'm not here to put more burden and heaviness on you that you shouldn't feel that way we're not going to do shoulds on you at all today what we're going to do is say, just, just encourage you to admit that to the Lord. Lord, I have a tough time, this idea of living freely and lightly, because I got a lot of responsibilities. I've got health issues. I got loved ones that have health issues. I have financial burdens. I have relationship struggles. I have things that I'm carrying, Lord, and I, I just, it's so heavy, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus is saying this invitation to you. Give it to me. Lay your burdens before me. Because I took all your burden to the cross. Lay it on, lay it at my feet. I've paid the price for it all. 
So not only that you have salvation for your soul, but you can have rest for your soul. He invites you to this invitation, no longer of doing, but to be with him and to be still. That is the invitation. So Lord Jesus, we receive that invitation. We receive it. He said, come to you. Come to you, we Lord, we come to you today. That you provide. The burden we have, we give it to you. And you said you you said easy, Lord. Easy, you provide rest for our souls. We lay it over to you. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't have the Prince of Peace, doesn't have Jesus himself living and dwelling in their heart, Lord, they say, Jesus, come in, live in me, be my salvation, and be my rest for my soul, Lord. I take my yoke and I harness my life with you. And Lord, we all do that this week. We, we, we partner with you, and Lord, wherever we go, it doesn't mean we're going to link our responsibilities, Lord. It doesn't mean we don't have things we'll have to do, Lord, but it's going to be easier, even easy, you say, because we're doing it with you. You are the leader. You're guiding us. And Lord, when we can have moments of rest, Lord, may we take advantage of it. May we build this in this, this, this relationship of Sabbath in our, in our rhythm of life. God, our souls, at, our souls are at best when we're at rest. And we pray that over all of us and we practice it right now in Jesus' name. I invite you to stand. And in fact, why don't you sit back down, actually? <laughs> because actually we need to be a place of rest. And so just take this moment right now and, and I want to say that this is, a, this is a time not to think about anybody else, just to be still with the Lord. Let's practice together, and then we'll close.
to commit ourselves to do that this week to have still moments to have places and pockets of opportunity for solitude and silence to practice Sabbath with you and with others and, and just live in this, this rhythm this unforced rhythm of grace that you invite us to, that we can live freely and lightly, Lord, this beautiful thing that you've given us. And so, Lord, help us with the tension of that, what we need to do, what we don't need to do is all a part of it, Lord, but we, may we live in this place. And, and as we do this, Lord, we will model to the people around us what that looks like this life that you have, this abundant life that you offer us, that it becomes even attractive to the people around us, the, our own family, our own children, the, uh, the, our, our neighbors, our coworkers, like what is with them? They just, they live this way. They, they, they do, they're responsible, but they sure don't grip life that hard because it's you we're yoked with. It's you that we're, we're living light and free. And, and this moment's an invitation of margin and time of people and with you, Lord. It would be a beautiful thing that would just draw people even to you in a greater way, Lord. But start with us, Lord. May we, may we walk from this place. May we, may, maybe, may we spend time just in your creation this week and, and, and just this rhythm, Lord, that would continue on as we, we, we leave this, this time this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. We want you to know if you just need a little bit more time just to kind of stay where you are, we're going we're gonna to actually do that. Uh, so you're free to go. If, if you need some prayer, uh, wonderful people here would love to pray with you as well. So you're dismissed. Have a, have a wonderful week.